0: Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Monday, November 14th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right. All right. Um, it's an odd start time for tonight's show. Uh, it's an odd start time for tonight's show. And that's because I am on the east Coast. I'm on the East Coast. And on Thursday, I'll also be attending the uh, Fox, uh, the big Fox News Patriot Awards, the big Fox News Patriot Awards, which will be held at the Hard Rock Casino in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So I'm on the East Coast. So this show usually airs 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. And while I'm on the East Coast, I'm going to do the show at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. You got that? I can make that even easier. The show's going to air three hours earlier than <laughs> it usually airs while I'm on the East Coast, because to tell you the truth, I don't want to be doing the show at two in the morning here. Um, I still have jet lag. And, you know, that's something that I guess some people it doesn't affect, but it always gets me. And it usually gets me for about four or five days. So I've only been here for a couple of days now. So I still have terrible jet lag. Um... And uh, it's going to take me a while to get over that. I'm drinking a lot of water right here. That's the thing to do for jet lag. You drink a lot of water, and that's supposed to help. So we'll see if that helps. But um, I will be here on the East Coast for a while, actually, about a week and a half. Uh, like I said, Thursday is the big Fox News Patriot Awards that I'll be attending. I'm very excited about that. Big event, So almost sold out. Um, beautiful, beautiful theater in the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Fort Lauderdale. So uh, I will be reporting uh, from there. I'll be doing the podcast, and we'll be uh, talking about what happens at the uh, Fox News Patriot Awards. But, of course, there's a lot to talk about before then. Um, Crazy, crazy, crazy election. Uh, Just about an hour before uh, coming on the air for the show, they called uh, Arizona governor's race for Katie Hobbs. And, um, you know, this is... First of all, as I railed on about last week, you can't have this with elections. You can't have it taking a week. I mean, look, we get tomorrow will be a week, right? And we still don't know who controls the house. It's getting closer, but this is ridiculous. You know, I remember and it wasn't too long ago. You know, I'm old enough to remember when I'd get together with friends on election night and Wolf Blitzer would be on there talking on CNN. Uh, the house is going Republican for the, you know, he'd go, he'd do his thing. Wolf Blitzer. And we'd know by 11 midnight, maybe we'd know on election night who won the house, who won the Senate and a presidential election year, who won the presidency. Okay. I've had many, many election night watch parties through my life and it was always known. Like I said, at the very, very worst, maybe a few hours later, the early morning hours of Wednesday. The following day, but it was always known very quickly. This is not normal. So when you hear Democrats on MSNBC and CNN saying this is perfectly normal, it's not. They're lying to you. This is, this is what they do. They, they, they believe you have the memory of a gnat that it's like, it's always been like this. You know, it's almost like total recall, right? They wipe out the memory, put a different memory in as though this has always been like this. It hasn't always been like this. It has not always been like this. We have always had the election results quickly. So they're lying to you. This is the Democrats' new normal. If they want to say that, if they want to tell the truth and say this is the new normal, this is their way of doing it over the last two years, then they'd be telling the truth. But they want you to pretend. They want to pretend that this is perfectly normal. There's nothing to see here, even though it never happened like this until the year 2020. 250 years of elections never happened like this. And they every other country in the world. It doesn't happen like this. Ireland, UK, Brazil, every other country in the world, every other country in the world does not take a week, week and a half, two weeks to find out the results. And California is the worst of it, as usual. The California is the worst of the worst. I know Nevada and Arizona are getting a lot of talk because they have the big races there, right, for governor and senator. But in California, all these house races are not going to be called. And they said, well, maybe another week. There are House races in California that a week into this thing only have 60% reporting. Now, this is not normal. And once again, this does not lend credibility to election results. It just doesn't. Further not helping the matter is a case like in Arizona in the governor's race, which took a week. A lot of mishigas, a lot of craziness, major dumps, they call them, right, the dumps of ballots. And the secretary of state who did not recuse herself from running wins. The secretary of state who did not recuse herself in a state where it took a week to count the ballots, where Kerry Lake was ahead at one point, won the election. The secretary of state who did not – remember the secretary of state who, who didn't do any debates? Dobbs would not do any debates. Did she know something we didn't? Did she know that even in Arizona, a Democrat wouldn't have to? debate? Who ever heard of a Democrat not debating, especially in Arizona? Who ever heard of that? A Democrat thinking, ah, I don't have to debate in a a basically purple state or red-leaning state up until two years ago. Actually, deep red state up until about 10 years ago, right? The state of McCain. And to think that, you know, Kerry, Lake now, losing by about eight-tenths of a point, very tight, could end up losing by a point, half point, whatever, it'll be tight. If she talks about all this crap, running against Secretary of State, who wouldn't recuse herself, takes a week to count the ballots, she's considered a crazy MAGA election denier. Now, let's go back just four short years. We can remember 2018. Um, Stacey Abrams lost a very narrow race. This time she lost by a lot. But in 2018, it was very narrow to then Secretary of State Brian Kemp. And Stacey Abrams complained, right? Oh, I'm running. He's a Secretary of State. He controls everything, blah, blah, blah. And it was tight, and she said it was, you know, she doesn't trust that. She didn't trust him. She doesn't trust the way they counted votes. She didn't really concede, and that was fine. It was fine for a Democrat, a black female Democrat, in 2018 to complain about running against a secretary of state and losing by a very tight margin. That was fine. But when Kerry – and I don't remember it taking a week to get the election results either. But Kerry Lake can't do that. Now, look, am I saying the election results are fake? Eh, not really. I don't I don't know. Maybe. But here's one thing that's certain, for certain, for absolute certain. The Democrats know. They've created an environment now, the Democrats, where Republicans can't complain anymore, right? Every time a Republican complains, they're called the mad, crazy MAGA election denier. So we're in a situation now where... Democrats can complain. Republicans know that. They're like put in a corner. So maybe that makes it easier to cheat. Maybe it makes it easier to cheat when you know you've put the other party in such a corner, you've labeled them election deniers, that no matter what happens, they can't complain about it because they'll be called tinfoil hat lunatics. That's something the Democrats knew coming into this. Now, I'm hearing a lot of this, you know, post-mortem stuff. And a week into this, we can think about it maybe with clearer heads than we could on election night or a day or two after. But it would seem to me the only logical thing the Republicans can do moving forward is do the exact same thing the Democrats do. And this is what I mentioned before the election. I said, you really can't complain. You know the Democrats' game, right? So if you know their game, you got to play it better than them if you want to win. I don't know what that game, if it's ballot harvesting, right? Which is supposedly illegal. If it's early voting, if it's cheating, whatever the fuck it may be, you have to play the game better. You can't complain if you can't play the game better when you know the game. You know the game. So until, de- until Republicans can play the Democrats game better, they're not going to win elections. Not the way they should win elections. Now they're going to win the House. NBC News is now projecting Republicans will get 220 the democrats 215 this is another crazy thing it's one thing to have you know a week go by and we don't know the uh, the answers to a lot of these congressional races and such but it's another thing you check nbc news they say they say certain amount of races have been called then you go to fox and they say a certain amount that they're all different like fox has Republicans with 214. Some sites had them with 212. One site has them with 217. So they can't even get straight what's been called and what hasn't been called by the Associated Press. It makes absolutely no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. We need a better way to vote and we need a better way to count the votes. That's just the way it goes. That's what we, it, it, we cannot continue on with this. This is just ridiculously silly. It really is ridiculously silly. But like I said, I think moving forward, the Republicans need to do exactly what the Democrats did and do it better. Harvest the ballots, tell people to vote early and stop saying things like don't vote early and then expect everyone to show up on election day. Because you know how that goes. Think about that. Just logically, if you're giving people 30 to 50 days to vote. <laughs> One group is, let's say the Democrats are voting for 30 to 50 days and Republicans are voting on one day. That's kind of not fair, is it? But Republicans have every right to vote in that 30. They just don't do it. So you talk about one voting block voting for a month, month and a half, two months, and one voting block voting for one day for whatever it is, 12 hours, 13 hours. It's pretty hard to match that early voting total when they've given so long to vote. And you're telling people don't do it, don't trust it. Well, this is what happens when you do that. So you have to play their game. You have to beat them at their own game. That's what has to happen moving forward. I thought the Republicans may have learned that after 2020, but they did not, they did not. And hopefully at the 2022, Republicans learn that they have to play the game better. And if they don't play the game better, they're not gonna win. They're not going to win the presidency in 2024. Now, listen to this. Another very, very reasonable analysis is that the Democrat, the Republicans had many more seats to, to protect. I think it was 20 seats to 14 seats. The Republicans had to protect 20 seats, and the Democrats had to protect 14 seats. So the math just wasn't with the Republicans this time. Now, in 2024, it flips. Even worse, actually. The Republicans only have 10 seats to protect, while the Democrats have to defend 24 seats, 14 more seats. So the math is not good at all for the Democrats in 2024, but the the math isn't going to matter if Republicans keep doing things the way they're doing things and saying, oh, you have a month to vote. Don't do it. Go on the election. Go on Tuesday. It's not working. In other words, it's not working in this new age of voting. And you're not going to – and that's the easier way to do this because you're not going to stop the early voting. You're not going to stop states like California from sending out ballots to everyone a month ahead of time. You're not going to stop that. You're not going to stop states from early voting. That's not going to happen. So the only way to beat them is to play that game and play it better than them. You could say that Democrats have had a two-election cycle head start in this game of early voting and ballot harvesting and so on and so forth. And now the Republicans – boy, the Republicans may have been lucky to win the House. They may not have won the House if not for – if not for really New York and Florida. New York and Florida are going to be the reasons. There's a couple districts in California, but it's mostly New York and Florida that are going to be the reasons the Republicans win the House. Florida turning really red and a lot of uh, Republicans, I think 11 seats they've won in New York because of Lee Zeldin doing so well and crime being so through the roof Uh, and Kathy Hochul not having any um, coattails and by winning such a small margin really helped Republicans win in New York. Uh, Some people blame Eric Adams. They could, yeah. New York City is in shambles. That could also be part of it, even though most of those districts are in Long Island and upstate New York. It could have played a part. Those people like to go to the city. you know. So it, it could have played a part. But the fact of the matter is, is that Take away New York and Florida and the Republicans don't come close to winning the House. And I'm looking at this, if you go on NBCnews.com, looking at the map, it's so red. It really is so red, the congressional map, right? I mean, the only blue areas are the the West Coast, New Mexico, and the Northeast. Everything else is basically 90% red. It's a very red country. It's a very Republican country. But of course, the the, the heavy population areas go blue. But the Republicans still won the popular vote by about what five or six points. So five or six million votes, I believe. So the Republicans won the popular vote. Once again, a lot of that came from Florida and New York, but they won the popular vote. More Republicans got votes than Democrats. It wasn't a total wash of election. But once again, I think it's pretty simple. Until the Republicans play the Democrats game and play it better than them, they're not going to win the way they should. This should have been a wave, wave, wave. I mean, you got the normal thing with the, with the first term of a, dem, of a of an incumbent and you have all the economic woes and the COVID and everything and crime and fentanyl. And I mean, It should have been an incredible wave. But the, the combination of the Republicans not playing the Democrats game and, of course, the Trump poison, the poison that is Donald Trump, he's poison. You know, the, the, the Trump supporters will say, oh, you can't blame him, blame Mitch McConnell, blame this, blame that. But the fact of the matter is most of Trump's candidates lost his big candidates around the country lost his candidates that would have decided the Senate lost a lot of governor's races were thought they thought the the Republicans were going to win 30 31 governor's races only be 26 so uh, he lost he's poison look. You heard, you heard Biden and the Democrats, especially down the stretch, saying MAGA this, MAGA voting for MAGA, democracy, MAGA king, MAGA, MAGA candidates, MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. And whether it's overblown or not, and I believe it's very much overblown in a lot of ways, it still worked, which proves Trump's brand is poison. Trump, That's the gamble they played, that Trump's brand would be poison. Did they know it would be poison? No. But it ended up being poison. It ended up being poison. And I think we're a few hours away. I think tomorrow he's going to announce he's running for president. He's an insane person. There's something wrong with the guy. Not just announcing after you've taken such – just a week, first of all, just a week after the, you know, the, the midterms. I mean a week, and a week before Thanksgiving, two years before the election and fucking uh, – uh, right after your candidates get killed and you're announcing you're running for president. I mean this is – these are some of the reasons why people think he's crazy and he is. He's a megalomaniac. He's for himself. That's all. You know, and he's a crazy man, and a lot of people are turning on him now. What will happen when he announces is his base will go crazy. They'll love it. They'll, they'll cheer. He'll start doing rallies. You know, the guy lives for rallies. I remember during one president, I called him the Rallier in Chief, and that's what he is. He loves rallies. He does rallies very well, and he wants to be able to do, you know, in a, a good solid year of rallies, year and a half of rallies before the before the primaries. So it helps his ego. He, he lives for that kind of thing. He gets up for it. And he knows he can start his rallies very, very quickly and get in there a good three or four months before anyone else does. And so that's why he's doing it. So we'll see where it goes from there. We'll see where it goes from there. Um, Ron DeSantis is probably going to get in. Mike Pence will probably get in, I think. And there'll be other people who get in too. But I think maybe Nikki Haley might get in. I mean, there'll probably be a, what eight to ten person field as usual to start with. You know, but I can't imagine anyone, hey, you know, being able to sneak in with Trump and, Pat, Trump and, and, and DeSantis both in it. I mean, they're going to really take up a lot of the air and space, I would think. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I think the, the one thing that will happen by Trump announcing is it'll start to take people's focus off of this. It'll take people's focus off the fact that Republicans didn't do as well. And immediately start have people talking about 2024 instead of 2022. That could help the Republicans a little bit, but I think I think the fact of the matter is you had bad math for the Republicans going in, and this is the math that people thought, you know, when all this started, people were saying that Democrats would probably take the House, a uh, Senate, and Republicans probably take the House, right? Because the math just wasn't there there for the Republicans in the Senate, and then all of a sudden, you know. The Republicans got some steam with the polls, but then what happened? Then the abortion thing happened. Democrats got it back and that faded away and Republicans got it back. But the way it ended up was the way people thought it was going to be, you know, a year and a half ago, which is that the Democrats would hold the Senate. And that's just what they can do. They can all hold it. It'll either be the same or they'll gain one seat. It'll be 50-50 or 51-49, which does not put them in a great position. Like I said, with 2024, when they have to defend so many more seats than the Republicans, The Democrats would have definitely liked more of like a 53, 54, 55 seat majority. So they could have some buffer to lose a few seats and still hold the Senate in 2024. But that's not going to happen. So that that could be considered a win for Republicans, too, when you look to 2024. Um, The House will be a narrow Republican majority, just like it was just a narrow Democratic majority. You know, and with the the country so split, it could be a narrow majority one way or the other in 2024. You know, so all these things have to be looked at. All these things have to be looked at. But I don't think it's a stretch to say the Trump brand is poison. And it's really time for the Republican Party to move on from Donald Trump. There's no reason why they shouldn't. There's no good reason why they shouldn't move on from Donald Trump. They've won Congress before Donald Trump. They've won presidencies before Donald Trump. They can do it post Donald Trump. They don't need Donald Trump to win. They simply don't need Donald Trump to win. So that's my take on this whole thing right now. You know, that's my take on it. Okay. And, you know, like I said, we can continue to talk about this and do postmortems and, and, and argue over whose fault it was, whether Mitch McConnell didn't put enough money in. Yeah, there's that also. You know, McConnell's not exactly the most astute person anymore. So there's that. We could talk about who should control, the, who, who can be the Speaker of the House. Is it going to be McCarthy or not? Uh, we can talk about what kind of things they should do. Remember this. This will have, as as it was made clear by James Comer, it doesn't matter if the majority, if doesn't, it doesn't matter if the Republicans won 218 or 250. They will have the gavel. They'll be able to set the, the, the uh, schedule, they'll be able to do the hearings that we've talked about for the last year. COVID, Hunter Biden, of course, I think COVID takes precedent. It should be COVID, COVID, COVID. Hearings on COVID and Fauci. And that's the stuff they'll be able to do, regardless, <clears throat> as long as they have the gavel. So that stuff we need to talk about. What exactly needs to be done, where the focus needs to be, who needs to be subpoenaed, that I think is very important going forward, and I was uh, – Jim Banks was talking the other day about the fact that people don't seem to understand or they forget that the, the, the point of Congress, the point of the House of Representatives is to be an oversight, okay? is to be the oversight for the executive, all right? And that obviously has not been happening for the last two years. So that has, it needs to happen. That's part of their job. The House of Representatives the oversight for the executive. They have the oversight. And we need oversight. We need lots of oversight. Lots of oversight. So that'll happen. And um, I I think that that's one of the big things we talked about. That's one of the reasons why Republicans need to take control of at least the House. So we have these hearings and we don't just say, oh, forget about it and move on. Because there is no forgetting about what they did for three years with COVID. There is no just moving on from COVID. There isn't. People who 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 are wrongdoers need to be held accountable. Those wrongdoers need to be held accountable. And hopefully that will now happen. So we can talk about that moving forward as well. Other things I want to talk about is this the, the idea of this, you know, gullible liberals. Gullible liberals. Oh my God. So look at two major things that probably got Democrats a lot of votes, probably made the difference in the Senate, right? Was one, the student debt relief, and two was codifying Roe, Roe v. Wade. Now, Biden lied about both those things, and it it didn't take more than like eight seconds after the election for him to say, oh, well, those things aren't going to happen. We knew that. Now, we knew that many of us were talking about the student debt relief, and the way it's just not it, it not legal, that the courts were going to knock it down, we were talking about that. But Biden did it to get votes, and these gullible young liberals bought it. That they were going to get their, by by voting for Democrats, they were going to get free stuff. They were going to get their student, their student debt relief. Now, of course, that makes sense, right? One party says, we're not going to give you that free stuff, and one party says, we're going to give you that free stuff. So these young, selfish, ignorant fools voted for the party who said, we're going to give you this free stuff. And the day after they do that, The courts say you're not getting that free stuff. So there's that. But they they bought it hook, line, and sinker. And, of course, you remember Biden down the home stretch was saying, if we win the Senate, Jack, we're going to codify a row. We win the Senate, Jack. We're going to codify a row, man. Well, of course, they win the Senate. And the day after, he says, oh, we don't have the votes. See how stupid these liberals are. And a lot of people voted for that, even though they don't have a fucking brain in their head to think how, how many times through the last 50 fucking years, half century, have Democrats had control of the House, the Senate and the White House? Did they ever codify Roe? They've had a lot stronger presidents with higher approval ratings, <clears throat> Obama, than than Biden, with a big majority in the Senate and the House. And they still have. They never codified Roe. But Biden said, oh, we'll codify Roe now. If we get the Senate, people believed it. Then they get the Senate and he goes, not enough votes. Well, um, how many votes do you think it's going to get? 75. These, these liberals are so fucking dumb. There's no other way to put it. They're just incredibly dumb, incredibly naive, incredibly stupid. This is why. Because they, they act on emotion. They don't think. There's no logic to it. There's no logic to them. There's no logic to anything. We talked about this during COVID. There was no logic with lockdowns. There's no logic with masks, which, of course, they want to bring back again. We'll talk about that endlessly, um, you know, vaccine mandates. There was no logic to that. There's no logic to anything, but they play on emotion, right? So there was no logic that Biden, as a dictator, could just say, you are relieved of your debt. There is no logic that said they were going to be able to codify Roe. They even would if they could. But the Democrats vote on on, on emotion, okay? They live off emotion. They're all about emotion. And this is what we see. This is what you get. They were fooled. They were simply fooled. And they'll, they'll be fooled again. It's not like they're going to be mad about it. They can say, oh, you fooled us. We're going to vote for Republicans next time. No, you see – you fooled us, but by two years from now, we'll forget about this, move we'll vote for Democrats again. And you'll, they'll fool them on something else. They'll they'll do student debt relief again and fool them. They'll say they're going to codify Roe again and fool them. It'll all be the same playbook. It'll all be the same Democratic playbook. And they'll be fooled. And they'll go for it. Oh, well. This is what happens when you don't have the ability to to, to think critically, to investigate things, to, I don't know, to um, do your own research. And you just simply believe what you are told. You simply believe what you're told. And that's what happened again with with Roe and student debt relief. That's why 18 to 30-year-olds voted for Democrats 28 points more than Republicans, 28 points more. And Roe, the same thing, codifying Roe. Oh, oh, abortion. So this is what basically young Democrats voted on. Free money, student debt relief, free money and free sex, all right? Free money, not have to worry about the, the, the debt they incurred and being able to have wanton sex anywhere you want and being able to get anytime you want and being able to get abortion on demand. That's what Democrats voted on: free sex and free money. Hassle-free, sin-free, debt, uh, uh, um, debt and uh, and and sex. That's what they voted on. They were told you can have as much sex as you want, unprotected, and we're going to codify Roe and have abortion on demand. Don't worry about all that student loan you took out. We're going to relieve it, relieve your debt, and it'll go away. And and they believed this. They believed it. And and eight seconds after the election was over, eight seconds after the voting ended, that was rug was pulled out from under them. Do you feel? Do I feel bad for them? No, I feel bad for me, because now I got to live with the Democratic Senate, I got to live with Democratic governors, I got to live with all this Michigas, You know, th- I I feel bad for myself and other people who could think critically and have a brain. I don't feel bad for these people that were fooled. And I can't feel bad for them because you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Or Bush said, "Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, can't fool me again." They keep on getting fooled over and 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 over. They keep on getting fooled over. They'll put masks on again if they mandate masks. I, I did see one poll though from Canada, from the CBC, and this is Canada, even kookier than the United States with COVID, and. Like 80% of the people said they will, do not want masks to come back. That was a pretty good thing. It was a huge poll from the CBC, and 8 out of 10 Canadians said no more mask mandates. So that's good. It's good that the people, most of the people, or at least are waking up, but the politicians will try the same shit again. And like I said, there will be some gullible people who will – I mean, they're already still wearing masks, so they don't have to worry about it. They can keep them on. So, it, like I said, it's, it's the gullibility and the inability to think for oneself to have that critical thinking, that is what really annoys me about the left. It annoys me about the young people. It annoys me about the young people on the left, because young people on the right seem to have the ability to think critically. Why don't young people on the left have the ability to think critically? I don't know, it's because they are brainwashed by their family, by their brainwashed, by their professors in college. I, I, I don't know the exact answer to that, but it's obvious. The 18 to 30 year old generation Z, is it Z, put Democrats in office. It saved the Senate for the Democrats and it, and it, and it saved them a huge whipping in the House and a lot of these governor's races too. So although we did see, if, if we go towards like Nevada, look at the craziness. Look at Nevada. Nevada is a lean blue state. Arizona is a lean red state. Arizona is a border state. Nevada is not. There's no doubt Arizona has been. Historically a more red state than Nevada. And yet Nevada elects not kicks out the Republican governor and elects a Democrat, right? While Arizona elects (laughs) had a Republican governor, not an incumbent, but a Republican governor and now elects a Democrat. Does it make sense that a Republican is elected in in Nevada and a Democrat is elected in Arizona? Well, in a way, yes. Let me explain. Doing a lot of election explaining here. Um they cheated. No, no. The real they might have. But the real reason is that Arizona did not have lockdowns. Think about it. Arizona didn't have lockdowns, right, because they had a Republican governor, Ducey. If they had had a Democratic governor, Kerry Lake would have won. If they had a Democratic governor, Kerry Lake would have run just the way Joey Lombardo won in Nevada because Sisolak, the Democrat, locked them down. But Arizona didn't have to go through that. So they didn't feel the pain of that because they had a Republican governor. So they're not thinking about that, right? So what do they do? They elect a Democrat. Uh, I hope you don't have to go through the pain now, but you might because now you elected a Democrat. And that's kind of the idiocy of it. The reason why they didn't go through the pains because they had a Republican and so they elect a Democrat. So if it happens again, they'll have to go through the pain. It doesn't make any sense. But Once again, Nevada felt that pain, especially Las Vegas, because they were shut down for so long by Sisolak. Their economy, Nevada's economy is in the dumps. I think it was like 18% inflation, some crazy thing, if I'm right about that, because Las Vegas, their economic center, was locked down by Sisolak. And so what happens? They blame him, and they elect a Republican governor. They didn't elect a Republican senator. They elected a Democratic senator because they blame the governor. And- that makes more sense. You would definitely blame the governors with the lockdowns more than the Senate. Although I'd say they're all at fault, but the governors are the ones that had the power to do it or not do it. Like Newsom did it and, and DeSantis didn't. So the people in Nevada blame Sisalak. He's gone. He lost by several points. I mean, Laxalt lost by like one point, two points, but Lombardo won by like four. So there was a pretty, b- a lot of people went for Lombardo and, and, and Masto. Okay, They blamed Sisalak for the lockdowns. Arizona didn't have the lockdowns. They didn't feel the pain. They elected Democrat. So that's my reasoning of that little bit of craziness. Now, of course, Arizona does have the immigration issue, and that I don't really get. The immigration issue and they elected Democrat. Well, I don't understand that. I don't know if I can feel bad for them if they're overrun by fentanyl and illegal aliens and people get killed and raped and robbed by illegals when they elect a Democrat in Arizona who was so weak on the border. But they did. They did. They didn't want to go with the MAGA in quotes, candidate. They didn't want to go with the Trump candidate there. They just didn't. And they didn't feel enough pain during COVID the way the people in Vegas and Nevada did to vote for a Republican. So, they're going to have to deal with the immigration problem now, as will New Mexico. At least Texas voted the right way, and Georgia voted the right way, and Florida voted the right way. But, um, if you look at these races, I mean, a lot of it, if you, if you think about things, if you really think it out, like I say, in critical thinking, there's a reason why this stuff happened, right? There's a reason why these things happen. And Florida, DeSantis, right? Florida, Rewarded Ron DeSantis for not locking down, keeping Florida a free state. He won huge. Georgia, they rewarded Kemp for doing the same thing. Texas, they rewarded Abbott for doing the same thing. New York, a little bit of a different dynamic. New York governor usually wins by 15, 20 points over Republicans. This time it was only like five. So it could very well be that COVID and crime ate into that lead, but it's still, it's you know what I'm saying, that it may go away in another four years, that lead. But New York was so blue that it just, there just weren't enough people to turn it around. But you can believe that, that, that difference of 10 points of losing by 15 and five, a lot of that was probably lockdowns, COVID and crime. That and also why so many Republicans won in the, in the, in the, in the Congress in, in New York state, right? For those reasons, right? COVID and crime. So we did see crime and COVID, those issues we talked about being big as having played out pretty much the way we expected there are places like california my nutty state the nuttiest after this election we know california is the nuttiest state right the nuttiest much nuttier than new york there might have been a competition for a while but not anymore not anymore california is the nuttiest gavin newsom wins wins pretty easily re-election by what like uh 17 points 16 17 points there might have been a little bit. Maybe he usually wins by 20, 25. So there might have been a little bit of blowback with COVID, but not enough because most Democrats in California agree with COVID lockdown. They like them. They agree with mass. They agree with vaccine passports because they have no common sense. They're dumb, gullible, and they're elitist. And they like feeling better than other people, and that's California. So California is kind of a lost cause. California is going to be a long time to go Republican statewide if it ever does again. Um, and then we saw like Oregon. Look at Oregon. A Republican almost won there. Almost. But once again, Portland is so blue and really dominates the state vote that it wasn't enough. But you know, there were plenty of people who were pissed off in Oregon about the, uh, the lockdowns and the economy and, and crime in Portland, just like in New York. And it got close. Maybe next time, maybe four years from now, but it got closer. So there was a lot of pushback against those things in most states, in most states. And I I will contend that the COVID and the crime were bigger issues that people voted on than people are giving credit for. I really do. With that 18 to 30-year-old set, it was definitely, definitely abortion and and, and student debt relief. But with everyone else, it was definitely a lot of crime and COVID and the economy. And this is the way it plays out in a very split country. In a very split country, this is the way it plays out. But once again, you look at this. I I really – people should go to NBC.com and look at this map. Look at the house map. And look at how red it is, except for the west coast and basically the northeast. Right? From the mid-Atlantic to the northeast New England and the West Coast is blue. Everything else other than uh, New Mexico is is very red. Very, very red. So that is something that Democrats have to deal with. And, And Republicans can take moving forward is that more people voted for Republicans than Democrats. Once again, I will contend crime, COVID, the economy, obviously. And sometimes it works out into winning big majorities, and sometimes it doesn't. And this didn't. But they will have a majority in the House. In fact, hopefully by the end of the week. I hope. Although California says they're going to drag their feet till Thanksgiving. It's really insane. It's really insane. But I guess if you can look at the silver lining for Republicans, other than the Georgia runoff, the last thing that'll be called is the House, and they'll win it. So they'll get the last at bat, if you will, the last dig, and they'll win the House and that means the gavel being taken away from Nancy. Nancy loses her gavel. And um, we'll see who gets it. In the house. That's also the next, I guess, debate is who should be the next speaker of the House. Some people think McCarthy's too much of a rhino. somewhat more of a quote-unquote true conservative. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know exactly. As long as the speaker... You know, my issue is the speaker needs to be definitely strong and certain on the on the the, the, uh, the hearings, especially for COVID and such. They have to be very strong on that. I don't want a weak need leader when it comes to getting those hearings going. And I know McCarthy has talked about them, but every Republican I hear talking talks about the need for the oversight and the need for those committees come January. And I don't want any Republican to buy into the idea of, oh, it's overreach. It'll hurt you in 24. No, it won't. Cause once the truth comes out in the year, 2023, it'll help Republicans in 2024. it will hurt Democrats. Once the truth comes out in 2024. Okay. So, I mean, if I were running the agenda as the Republicans will be able to now, I would definitely put the COVID hearings at the top. I understand they want to do things with the Afghanistan withdrawal. That could be second. And Biden and Hunter, that could be third. But I would put the COVID first. First and foremost should be the COVID hearings. And I think that's the one most Americans would be into. I really do. I think most Americans would be into the COVID hearings, more than even Afghanistan or Hunter Biden for sure. Let's hope they do that. And that's just moving forward, right? That's just seeing what the – you know, agenda is moving forward. So, um, what else was I going to talk about here? Yeah, the crazy elections, the vote counting. I mean, you know, it's not, like I said, this is not normal. It's not we want to be the new normal. We have to find a way if they're going to keep this early voting going to get the results faster, okay? They have early voting and other other countries, okay? They have all a lot of the stuff we've been doing here. They do in other countries, and they can still get the votes counted by election night. There's no reason why we can't do that. There's no reason why we can't. Um, uh, there's no reason why we can't get in this in this country. We have such great great technology. We can't get these votes counted quick. Okay, there isn't. No reason machines should break down. There's no reason why things should crawl along like this. If people are working 14, 16, 18 hours a day to count the votes like the guy in Arizona, why does it take so long? Why? They can't seem to answer the question. Really, they can't seem to answer the question legitimately as to why it takes so long for these things to be to be counted. You know, we're hearing it again. We're hearing it again. Oh, oh! by the way, one thing I wanted to talk about, one thing I really understand, I, I, I notice, is that when I'm in San Francisco, I notice that most of the people wearing masks are Asians. They're all, you know, all groups are wearing them still, but Asians are the ones who are primarily still wearing masks, even outdoors. Then I come to the East Coast, and I see black. People, most people wearing masks are still outdoor blacks. Why? Why is it Asians where I live in San Francisco? Why they keep wearing masks? I have have an idea about Asians with the culture, right? China wear masks. They wore masks even before COVID. But they seem to be still wearing them outdoors still. Now, the black population, I don't understand. I don't know why back east I'm seeing so many people wearing masks and they're mostly black. I don't get it. Were they told? Is it because blacks were scared the most by the by the fake news media telling them that they were they were at risk more? Uh, Is that it? Is it is it that they think they're at risk more? They they believe that lie and they still believe it now, three years later, almost. I don't know, but that's what I notice. San Francisco Asians, East Coast blacks. Maybe some people have an answer for that. I've been looking on Twitter and they can only speculate. (laughs) So I don't know. You know. Um, let's see, someone it's a cultural practice. Yeah, Julie, my friend Julie in Pittsburgh says it's a cultural practice by choice. If you go to China, many would be in a mask, but they simply wouldn't care if you didn't wear one while in the country. It's been embedded in their culture for such a long while, at least as long you and I have been alive. Right, so it is, Uh, uh, you know. uh, Yeah, Mike, Mike says, blacks aren't very smart because Democrats started the KKK and blacks vote for them. Yeah, well, okay but that's like you know like i say americans don't have very good memories right they can't even think back 2 years let alone back to you know kkk time but we're talking about now right with masks right now right i mean it 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 just i, I think with asians it's obviously cultural i think that's an easy way to talk about that but i think with black people i think do you remember if you remember mike and others it's like they they told us that black people were most at risk they, they were doing that for a while. They were saying blacks are getting hospitalized and dying more from COVID. So I think I might have st- – remember, a lot of the stuff that was talked about with COVID that wasn't true still stuck with people because it's the first thing they heard. So they never it never got out of their heads, right? Six feet distance was total bullshit. Remember, it became three feet distance about a year ago, and people still say six. So the first thing people hear is the thing they remember, and these, these fucking nefarious bastards know that. They know that's the way human beings are, that the first things they hear are the things they're going to remember. They're not going to remember everything that comes after that, right? Only the first things that were bashed into their brains, right? And I think that's what happened with black people. They were told they were the most at danger and risk, and so that has stuck with them, that they better wear those masks. That's my speculation there. As far as smart goes, anyone who wears a mask is not very smart. Anyone who wears a mask is not very smart Anyone who wears a mask is very dumb There's no doubt about that it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, blue, green Young, old If you wear a mask, you're not very smart You know, you're, you could be paranoid You can be have obsessive compulsive disorder You can have hypochondria Those can all play into that But you, there's, there's no There's no like, intelligence And common sense and, and real data That goes with any of that Right? So that's just a case for everyone. That, that's, that's the case with everyone with masks. But that's just an observation I make. I observe as I go around the country. <laughs> I observe different things, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's still – once again, what's amazing is that they keep on bringing up the same shit with COVID. Remember the CDC, am I wrong? Is something wrong with my memory? Do I have a memory of like Joe Biden or John Fetterman? Didn't the CDC say a few months ago that they were wrong about everything? They were wrong about mandates, basically, You forcing people to wear masks. The vaccine never stopped the spread. They were forced. To, the lockdowns didn't work. And they were. didn't they admit to that? And now here we are, and they're talking about the same. They just admitted it was wrong. Now they're saying they want to do it over again. So am I missing something? Is there a disconnect here? How long, how many cycles of COVID do we have to go through before people realize that masks don't work and if they work, we wouldn't have to go through all these cycles of COVID. COVID would be snuffed out by those magical masks. They'd snuff out the COVID. How come it didn't snuff out the COVID the first time? Well the second time or the eighteenth time, but the twenty second time it's gonna snuff out the COVID. I I can't talk about this. I get so fucking angry because these people are such fucking morons that they don't seem to they don't seem to get it. Will they ever get it? I don't think they'll ever get it. And ma- look, many of us have said the liberals will never make COVID go away. They'll, they'll ne- it'll never go away. Ever. Ever. And when I say go away, I mean go away. I don't mean go away for three months or four months and come back. I mean go away. Period. Forever. It's not going to happen with the liberals. They'll never let it happen. Ever. They need it. They seem to need it in their lives. It brings meaning to their lives. It brings meaning to the miserable Existence, I guess that's the only thing I can think of because I, I can't think of any other anything. It doesn't, doesn't do any good for anyone. I don't, I don't understand why you'd want to keep this going when you don't have to. Why you'd want to keep these fallacies going when you don't have to. When you can simply say the truth, which is that we'll, we'll live with this just like we live with everything else and move on. I mean, that's the truth. We'll live with this just like we live with everything else and move on but they don't seem to want to do that. That seems to be offensive to them. It seems, that idea of, of moving on is hurtful to them. I, I don't get it. I don't. I don't I, really, I believe psychologically it has, it has been a big part of their lives. It has filled some voids. As odd as that sounds to us normies, it fills some void, and they don't want it to go away. Now, here's the thing, and I've said this many times before, If they want to keep it in their lives, they can. But the problem is it leaks into mine. You see, that's when it bothers me. You know, there's a fight in a bar. I'm sitting. (laughs) I'm reminded of a scene in a a Clint Eastwood film where he's sitting at the bar and there's a fight going on behind him. (laughs) And they're getting closer and closer to touching him. And you can see (laughs) that Clint is getting pissed and thinking, I don't care if there's a fight here. Just don't touch me. And finally, someone touches him, and that's the end of it, right? So this is like with the COVID stuff. You can keep it going. Really, I think it's stupid. I think it looks awful. I think you look like a fucking moron. But if you want to keep wearing your masks, fine. If you want to get 17 boosters, if you want to get a booster every two and a half weeks, go ahead. It's your body, baby. Fill it up. You know, glow in the dark. I don't give a shit. It could be fun to look at. But don't make me do any of that. That's the problem with mandates. It makes me be stupid like you. It makes me have to do stupid things like you. And I ain't stupid. And I don't want to be stupid like you. Okay? I don't want to have obsessive compulsive disorder. I don't want to be hypochondria. I have enough of this shit in my life. I don't need it with COVID. So keep it to yourself. And that's fine. But they can't seem to do that. And they're invading my life. They're invading my air. They're invading my space. And since they believe the air is already dangerous filled with COVID, it's worse that they're filling it up with their shit too. So stay away from me. Do what you want to do. Seriously, if you want to stay in for the rest of your life, stay in. If you don't want to visit your grandmother anymore, don't visit her. Okay? If you don't want to go to gatherings, don't go to gatherings. If you don't want to go to weddings and funerals, don't go to weddings and funerals. Just don't tell me I can't. If you want to wear a mask the rest of your life, fine. Don't tell me I have to. If you want to get a booster every two or three months, go ahead. Don't tell me I have to. That's the problem. That's the problem. And they are going to find themselves in a very, in a in a world of hurt if they continue to do this. In a world of hurt. So it's up to them. But like I said, just don't invade my space. Just like that Clinice was scene. Fight. Do whatever you want to do. Knock the hell out of each other. Don't touch me. That's all. Because then we have a problem. I think I made myself clear on that issue. Um, so what else? Let's see. I'm going through my Twitter feed because a lot did happen. You know what's amazing is that um, Elon Musk fires 3,000 people. Elon Musk fires 3,000 people and they go insane. What a horrible, vicious guy. Oh, people are throwing up. He tells people, he, <laughs> he tells people they have to fire. He tells managers they have to fire people and they throw up in garbage cans. These are all, oh, by the way, a lot of these stories are made up and Elon Musk clears a lot of this stuff up. He'll actually tweet and say, no, it didn't happen this way. It happened, you know, there were 25, percent of the truth and 75% is a lie. The media has never told a hundred percent truth about Elon Musk yet. About anything. It's always, there's always embellishment there with the fake news media. But this whole idea that Elon Musk fires 3,500 people and everyone goes crazy on him, calling him horrible names, saying he's vicious and evil. And then Zuckerberg quietly fires three times as many. Yeah, that's just business. You see, this is how hypocritical. This is how hypocritical the left is. The Democrats are the mainstream media is. It's so, there's so obvious hypocrites. They don't. They've, they've. They've. All of a sudden, they decide they have a hard on for Elon Musk because he wants to. He doesn't want Democrats to be able to control the narrative on Twitter, on social, on on Twitter. So they decide they hate him, even though up until this year he's voted for Democrats his whole life, like me. So they've created this evil person. They love to create fascists out of thin air, and so they 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 go after him, and then they love Mark Zuckerberg because he allows the liberals to dominate the narrative on Facebook and censor the right. And they love that. So he fires three times as many people, it's fine. So you see, that is the hypocrisy of the left. That is the hypocrisy of the the mainstream media. Pure pure and simple, that's the hypocrisy right there. In 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 a nutshell, okay, in a nutshell. And people don't seem to understand The people who go after Elon Musk are firing people. This is like the real world. It's amazing how many of these leftists live in this bubble, right? Have they never been fired? Like I said, I was fired. In my life, I was fired once. And all I did was get a better job about two or three months after. That's what you do when you're fired. You go and get a better job, okay? And then you show your boss that fired you, you know. This happens all the time. This is even even the leftists in Hollywood who will bash Elon Musk for firing people and say it's so horrible to fire people. These are people who often get rejected. They get rejected more than accepted. Right. So what do they do when they get rejected or even fired off a movie or a film or a television show, whatever it may fucking be? They go out and they do other things and they do great things and they make a, a career for themselves. All right. We see it all the time with actors. The, the, the most successful actors talk about all the, all the gigs they didn't get that went to other successful actors. Did they cry about it? No. They went on, they got better gigs and they made a career. This is life. First of all, these people who were fired, whether it be Facebook or Twitter, are not people making $18.50 an hour. These are people making hundreds of thousands of dollars, very young people making hundreds of thousands of dollars out of college. A lot of people can't get a fucking job out of college. These people get six, figure deals out of college they get great profit sharing they get great 401ks at a very young age don't worry about it they'll be fine they have savings they'll find new high-paying jobs they get three months severance from twitter four months severance from facebook they're going to be fine and yet these leftists go oh don't you feel bad are you a mean person don't you feel bad this is fucking life man it's fucking life have these people lived life It's so confusing. I'm very confused today. Very confused. I'm sorry about the early, you know, usually we have more people in the room, but the early start time has thrown everyone off. They expect me on three hours later, but I ain't doing this show at 2A. I'm half asleep as it is because I have this horrible jet lag from being on the East Coast, and I always have jet lag. So it's like I'm, like, fading out here. I'll probably do a shorter show this week. Remember, Thursday, I'm going to be at the Fox News Patriot Awards. That's a big thing. And so I will definitely have a lot to say about that. Maybe even talk to some people, interview some people. Um, uh, So that'll be Thursday. That will be Thursday night, the Fox News Patriot Awards. I believe you can get it on Fox Nation. I think you can get a free account temporary. It's like $5 a month, Fox Nation. It's really worth it. There's some good stuff on there. A good sort of investigative stuff you won't find the mainstream media doing for five bucks a month. And if you're a veteran, I think you get a free year. I'm pretty sure. You get a free year. Um You know, I really want to talk about, it. I don't usually talk about sports that much, although I do wonder what's worse run, elections or the Yankees. That's a like coffee talk, discuss. Are elections worse run or the New York Yankees? Um but Pete Rose, you know, Pete Rose has been trying to get into the Hall of Fame for a long time. He's 82. I can't believe Pete Rose is like 81, 82. I'm like, when I hear that Pete Rose is in the early 80s, I want to jump off the bridge. But anyway, he wrote another letter to Manfred. I don't know why. He's not Manfred's not an actual human organism. But he writes to Manfred and he says, um, I'm sorry. It was this nice letter saying he has learned his lesson and he's seen all the damage he's done. And he's not been able to participate in a lot of the post- Baseball life that a lot of people, you know, that have as successful as he was, are able to do like managing and Hall of Fame and award ceremonies and gatherings and all this stuff that he hasn't been able to do because of his gambling when he was gambling as a manager of Cincinnati Reds. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I think it was bad enough that Pete Rose was kept out of the Hall of Fame because of gambling when there are people who weren't kept out of drugs, steroids, all that stuff. But um, and he wasn't ever gambling on his own. But, you know, remember Pete Rose was was an incredibly competitive guy. He had a gambling habit. He had a gambling addiction, which caused him to to gamble on other teams. But there's no no proof that he gambled on his uh, on his own team or against his own team, which a guy like Pete Rose would never do because he wanted to win. He was a manager. He he could not accept losing as a player, and he couldn't accept losing as a manager. So he definitely didn't bet against his own team. There's no there's no proof he betted on his own team at all, just other teams. But if you watch baseball now, if you watch sports in general. But I'm a baseball fan, so I watch baseball. All they talk about is sports betting now. Everything's a fucking line. Which uh, line, sports betting advertisements, what is it? Uh, dr- kings, board, draft kings, all these. Everything is betting. Everything is betting now. There's actually a radio station, KGO in San Francisco, one of the oldest talk radio stations, about a month ago, ended. Ended and became a um, a sports betting radio station. I think the first. How boring is that? You know, a bunch of young creeps talking about betting lines. So that's all it is about now is sports betting. And Major League Baseball is making millions of dollars off advertising sports betting. And you tell me, once again, look at this incredible hypocrisy they push off as virtue signaling. Oh, no, we can't have Pete Rose go. No, the sanctity of the game. No, can't have Pete Rose go into Hall of Fame. Yet all they do is make money off betting sites and gambling sites. The hypocrisy is so absolutely grotesque. Who's more hypocritical, the Democrats or or, or Major League Baseball? Maybe there's probably a lot of overlap there too. But this is incredible that they make all these millions of dollars off betting and they won't let Pete Rosen of fame because of betting. What does that have to do? First of all, what does it have to do with his on-field numbers, his on-field success, his success as a player all those years? What does gambling have to do with that? He's not being put into the Human Being Hall of Fame. He's being put into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I'd put him into the Human Being Hall of Fame a lot quicker than Manfred, who's a total scumbag, okay? All about money, killing the game. This World Series was the second least watched World Series. This World Series between the Phillies and the Astros, Houston and Philadelphia, was the second least watched World Series, okay, ever. Because a guy like Manfred is killing the game. After Bud Selig started the death of the game, they're killing it, absolutely killing it. And yet, and young people are turning away. Young people are not watching baseball anymore. Um, and yet they have the he has the nerve, the nerve. To keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame, when they're making so much money off gambling now. It's it's actually it's really it's really disgusting. This is a disgusting person. And you know, and Pete Rose has written these very nice sympathetic human letters to this guy before. And the guy doesn't even talk to him. The guy hasn't even called him. Gross. Disgusting. Oh, you said what are you saying Mike? He bet on his own team to win, is that right? Was there was there so there was evidence he bet he he so did he admit to betting on his own team to win and there was no evidence that he, he so there was no evidence he bet on his own team to lose is that is that right but he but he did admit i don't remember him admitting he bet on his own team maybe he did all i remember is him is admitting to betting on other games but i wouldn't put a pass into the betting on his own team would you say he didn't he didn't admit betting on his own team he did admit betting okay so he did admit betting on his own team to win okay okay so he didn't okay which makes sense i mean that's pete rose right? He wanted to win. So once again, even doing that, not that he should have been, of course, he shouldn't have been betting on baseball. He'd been on another sport. But the idea is, is that he didn't, it's like the 1919, 1919? 1918. 1919 White Sox, the Black Sox. It's not like you're throwing your own games to make money, right? You're not. So he didn't throw, he bet on his own team to win, right? So he wasn't affecting the outcome of his game, right? He couldn't negatively affect the outcome of his game because he was betting on his own team to win. He was putting money on his own team to win, but Pete Rose didn't have to put money on his own team or himself to win. He always wanted to win. And he couldn't affect the outcome of the other games by betting, so he had no effect on the game. Once again, here's more hypocrisy then. Unlike steroids, which had a real adverse effect on the game, it made people hit more home runs. It made them stronger. It changed, steroids changed the outcome of the games. Pete Rose betting on his own team to win or other teams did not change the outcome of the game. And knowing Pete Rose, I know people have made this distinction saying, well, maybe the games he didn't bet on, he didn't try to win as much. That's bullshit because you know Pete Rose, you know Pete Rose wanted to win, okay? Pete Rose wanted to win regardless of putting money on his own team or not. So once again, there's, there's a lot of hypocrisy here. Of course, Pete Rose should have been allowed in the Hall of Fame a a long time ago. A long time ago, Pete Rose should have been allowed in the Hall of Fame. But once again, it's this this virtue signaling, right? This is all virtue signaling. You virtue signal while what you are actually doing is more destructive. You virtue signal when actually you're hurting people. You're hurting more people with your virtue signaling. And we see this, whether it's virtue signaling about Ukraine or virtue signaling about mass or virtue signaling about vaccines or virtue signaling about keeping Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame. It's incredibly hypocritical. And all you're really doing is hurting more than helping. Okay. You're, you're, you're helping yourself, your ego, your, your percept, how people perceive you because you're being so virtuous in quotes, but you're not really doing anything that's, you're not, you're not doing anything that's actually good. You're not doing action that's good for mankind. In fact, you're doing the opposite. You're hurting people. So I think what we need to do here is really start to hold people accountable when they virtue signal. Yet it's all about being hypocritical and in the end hurting people. And that's what what we're seeing over and over and over and over again over the last three years in this thing with with Pete Rose and, and, and the commissioner. I mean, if you could see that letter, uh, maybe tomorrow, if I have a little more energy, I'll pull it up and I'll read it. In fact, that's what I'll do tomorrow. I'll, I'll pull it up and I'll read it. It's a, it's incredibly heartfelt. It's only about three or four paragraphs. Not a very long thing. It looks like it's written by an 81-year-old former baseball player. The guy's not Edgar Allan Poe. He's not fucking, you know, Hemingway. But he, he, he wrote a nice letter. He wrote a nice letter to Manfred, which I thought was heartfelt and real. And I felt so bad for Pete, thinking. God, this is probably it, right? He's 81. The guy's going to die not going to the Hall of Fame. You know what will happen. He'll die, and then I'll put him in the Hall of Fame. Oh, great. Great. You know, so it, it, it's like I don't get it. I don't get it. And what has caused Pete Rose to do? Well, this show's become about Pete Rose. But what, it, what has co- I saw Pete Rose in Vegas. I was in Vegas a few years back, and I was walking past a uh, – um, a, a, like a memorabilia store and what co- has caused Pete Rose to have to do to make money, whereas colleagues don't have to do this to make money because his colleagues work, they manage, they coach, they do endorsements, they do ads, they do events where they get paid to speak. No one would do that for Pete because they're all virtue signaling fucking hypocrites. So Pete Rose has had to go to Vegas and do these cheesy fucking things where you can tell he doesn't even want to do it. He doesn't want to have to pe- pay people. To, he doesn't want to have people pay to sign a baseball. He wishes he didn't have to do that, but he's doing it for money. You know, Rose didn't make the money. These guys make now 35, 40 million a year. So he has to do these things to make a living. And it was this it was this cheesy sports memorabilia store. I think in like the, the, uh, I was going to say the Vatican. Listen to me. The thing that's like the Vatican, the Venetian or one of those places. And, uh, he was like signing jerseys in a fucking store. And I felt so bad for him. I'm like, God, this guy has to do this to make money because these fucking commissioners of baseball are such hypocrites that they won't let him back in the Hall of Fame. You know, they won't let him back into baseball. The Hall of Fame is just like a, a thi- right? The Hall of Fame is just like an award that he deserves, but he really, sh- Not being allowed back into the baseball world. And that's what he really describes. He mentioned the Hall of Fame like once in the article, in the, in the, in the letter, but he really talks about not being allowed back into that baseball world and doing things that his colleagues have done. The, the Reggie Jackson and and the Aarons and all those people, you know, and the Clement, all these people that they, they've done all these things when they retire that Pete Rose can't be part of because he's persona non grata in the baseball world. He's been banned basically doing any baseball-related activities. All this stuff is baseball-related activities. He, I don't think he can do it even if his colleagues wanted him to. So this is a real bad thing. It's a, it's a real black mark on baseball. It's a real black mark on baseball that Pete Rose is not allowed back into the baseball world. Now, obviously, he's too old not to manage anyway. But he could go around with his colleagues and do events, and he can speak, and he can be put in the Hall of Fame you know, before he dies, you know, so I'll read that letter tomorrow because I I really want to, uh, hopefully tomorrow people will get used to this new time that I'm on for this week. Um, because I'm on the East coast, but, uh, you know, it's like, I, I don't understand people sometimes. I really don't. I really don't. I mean, it's such an easy out now to say, I mean, you could say a million things. If, I, if I'm commissioner tomorrow, I can say Pete Rose has been banned long enough, okay? He's been banned long enough. He's learned his lesson. He's been punished. Longer than people get punished for fucking rape and murder, he can, he can come back now, all right? Or I could simply say, you know what? It's hypocritical for the baseball world that we make so much money lately, these last few years on sports betting and advertising sports betting. It's kind of hypocritical to ban this guy for sports betting period. Now, we're not going to allow it in our sport as far as our players and managers gambling, but it's hypocritical for us to continue to keep this guy out. We're making so many millions of dollars on sports betting now. It doesn't make any sense. So yes, I'm allowing him. There's so many excuses they could use. And it's just simply the right thing to do. It's been long enough. And like I said, another excuse could be that his gambling did not affect the game the way steroids affected the game. And yet those people have not been, in other words, even these steroids guys, some of them who were not, there, here's the thing about Pete Rose. He can't be in the Hall of Fame, right? They can't vote him in. All these steroid guys can be. The writers often don't vote them in, but they're not banned from baseball activities. They're sportscasters. They're on TBS. They're on Fox News. They're on Fox Sports. They, they you know, they're allowed to be managers and players. They don't get, they're not banned from the sports world the way Pete Rose is. It's not just about the Hall of Fame. It's about, I mean, Pete Rose. It's very possible the commissioner will say you'll be eligible for the Hall of Fame, but these writers, these bastard writers still won't let him come in. It's up to them still, right? In the end, the commissioner can't just say, I anoint you in the Hall of Fame. But the commissioner can say you are now allowed to be in the the balloting for the Hall of Fame, you know, at least that much. Um, And I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on the writers. Maybe at this point they would vote him in. I don't know. That would be up to them but it would allow him back into the baseball world again in his, in his golden years, in his final years allowed back into the baseball world, like welcome him back into a family. I think that is what's most important for Pete Rose now. Okay. I'm just, you know, it's one thing after another lately with the elections and this thing, you know, but I, I can't, you know, I, once again, I, I can't, uh, I can't say that people do things for the right reasons, you know? At the time, was it Giamatti? No, the one before that. Not, 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 what was the one before that? Was it Giamatti or the guy before him who banned Pete Rose? I think it was the guy before him, right? The big guy. I forgot his name. Anyway, so it's not like we even have those kinds of commissioners anymore. I mean, those commissioners were not the, um, how can I say it? We're not the uh, at the at the behest of the of, of the owners basically, okay? They weren't controlled by the owners. These guys are controlled by the owners. That's the problem. They're controlled by the owners. Whereas those guys were independent. That was the whole point of the commissioner, okay? <laughs> like a check and balances on the owners, and that was gone. Then the owners colluded together and said, "Why are we doing this? Why do we want these fucking guys telling us what to do? We're going to tell them what to do, and they can just be the front man for us." So that's what this guy is, and that was really started big time with Bud Seelig. I mean, talk about conflict of interest. The guy was an owner of the Brewers, right? And he stepped down from his ownership and became a commissioner. <laughs> but he was friendly with all the owners, and it just, you know, it just grew from there. So um, it's 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 like the original commissioner at that time thought, "Look, we're gonna. This is gambling. You can't gamble. We found that you gambled." So we're going to ban you. I think the lifetime ban was the, was the was the problem. The lifetime ban was the problem. That should not have ever been happened. That should have never happened. But once again, this was before steroids, right? So this was like a big scandal at the time. It wasn't like there were all these steroid scandals going on and steroids had happened and it might have been a little watered down. It was like the big thing at the time, but it should not have been a lifetime ban. It should have been a ban that subsequent commissioners could have looked at and said, well, you know, or, or given a, a very, you know, finite, definite amount of taken five years, 10 years, whatever. It should not have been a a uh, infinite ban. That was that was the that was the problem. That was the problem. But the new commissions have a right to, you know, lift that if they want to. But they haven't. But this is me saying they should. Absolutely should. And I think most people agree with this. Very few people on social media think Pete Rose should be continue to be banned. It's just, you know, it's just absolutely injustice. It's like giving someone who, you know, stole, you know, some money. It's like someone who, who, who went to a store and stole $100 life in prison. It should, it's just ridiculous. It's just too, it's, not, it's unfair. It's unjust. It's too bad the Supreme Court can't uh, do anything about this. If they could, I think they'd probably lift the ban. Um, yeah. So, I think that someone's writing to me on I'm sorry on, on on Twitter about something. I had written about the idea that Asians are wearing masks in San Francisco, and on the East Coast here, I'm I'm, I'm noticing uh, black people wearing masks a lot. And oh, I see. And they're writing the crossing guards, the crossing guards that work at some at the Elam School on the way to my daughter's, and ma- still wear masks while outside. Yeah, yeah. So the, these crossing guards are using. Of wearing masks outdoors and wearing rubber gloves. So, where's the science? I'll go back to that. Where's the science? I thought Democrats and that they love science so much. Climate, the science, the science. Where's the science in still wearing masks out, outdoors and wearing gloves? Where's the science? We know masks don't stop the spread. We know, we know the COVID's an aerosol now. It does, it's not a surface thing. So, what are you wearing gloves? So once again, it doesn't matter it makes people feel once again this is the liberal it makes them feel emotionally better it makes them feel more emotionally secure but when you might make me have to do it when you tell me to do it then you're then you're then you're have then, then, then you have a problem you have your own little weirdness all right you have your own little psychological issues great it's bad enough that i have to see it it's bad enough i have to see You being insane out in the open, but don't make me have to join you in that insanity. I think that's a good way to kind of end the show today. Don't make me have to join you in that kind of insanity. And we'll pick that up tomorrow because like a shrink. We'll pick it up next time. We're out of time, But, but no, I mean, tomorrow we'll pick it up because they are. There is definitely, I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it. It's, it's, I'm feeling it. I'm, we're hearing it. Another push again to do the masks again, to do the mandates again. There were some. There were some leaders in Canada that want to bring it back again. You know, once again, the people seem to be against it. But what does that matter? We know it doesn't matter with these authoritarians on the left. It doesn't matter what the people want. It doesn't matter what the people think. Right? The people be damned. The science be damned. This is our narrative. We want to control people, and this is what we're going to do. So, we'll we'll talk more about that tomorrow and how we simply, if we want this ever to end, we have to just simply end it. We can't comply at all in any regard, in any respect, at all. Okay. So, uh, let's see. No new updates. Sorry, as the show's coming, there's no new updates yet. We still don't know. Uh, seven days into this, we still don't know who's going to have the House. We think it's going to be the Republicans, but we'll have to wait a little bit longer because we can't count the votes in a week here. Not anymore. Ugh, disgusting. All right, so remember, this show, which usually airs three hours later, is airing three hours. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. There are people who are usually on here who aren't because they don't seem to get it. It's a three-hour difference. I'm in. I'm on the East Coast. I'll be here, and I'll, I'll be at the uh, Patriot, the Fox News Patriot Awards on Thursday. But the show will air this week. This week, the show will air at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Okay, three hours earlier than usual. All right. Um, the show is And Let's Be Heard. My name is Mike Cachopoli. Thanks for listening. Have a good night have a good day and i'll see you right back here 8 p.m pacific 11 p.m eastern tomorrow night thanks